Global, sparking innovative thoughts. You're listening to another episode of Texas Global Podcast with me, Chawa Rapyung Tiranon Arpupay, the Texas Global Content Editor. I'm with a very special lady who has been with us at Texas. For quite some time, she's come on stage to inspire a lot of companies, talking about what are the key characteristics of success. And she's been doing this for quite some time. She's the CEO and founder of Fingerprint for Success, Michelle Duval. Hi. Hi. I'm so excited to talk to you. Yeah, we're very excited to have you also at the Texas Culture Summit, first of our uh, ever here in Bangkok. Uh, and I was listening to your talk, and I was listening to uh, how you pointed out the keys of success and everything, and that was very interesting. But I want to know more about you yourself. I read your bio a bit, did a little bit of homework, <laughs> and uh, and I found out that you were inspired when you were like only 12 years old. From your father, because if I understand right, he had a fashion business, and you were just looking at the ups and downs of what he went through, and you were wondering, is there a better way out? Is that right? You really have done your homework. <laughs> um, yeah, I, my father had a family business, mm -hmm. and we grew up in that family business, and it was in fashion. You know, it was up and down, and. There were, I just thought there had to be a better way. So I started dreaming up all sorts of businesses that I could invent. And you know, at the age of 15, I had the idea that you could put a bookstore and a cafe together. And um, I was 15, I never ended up doing it. But at that, you know, five years later, that was a thing, do you know what I mean? Um, and then I had this idea that you could do fresh juices and you could create these juice bars. Um, I think I was 16 for that one. And then the next thing in the world, you know, other people were of course doing those things, you know, juice bars became a really big thing. So I've always been passionate about new emerging things and just had an affinity with people who are creating new things. It's, it's really something that uh, everybody thinks about, right? Everybody thinks, mm, what if we did this? What if we did that? But the tricky part is perhaps maybe doing it, right? Uh, from your experience, uh, what got you into finding out what are the key successes for leaderships? So we, um, well, for me personally, I left school and I was specifically thinking I was going to study psychology and I got into um, Sydney University to study psychology and at the very last minute I decided to defer and I decided to go to a very first hotel school ever in Australia and while I was studying hotel management I got a position in the number one hotel in Australia and at the age of 23 I started to um, be on the hotel executive so everyone else was 30 years older than me I was the only female on the hotel executive and we in my role I looked after all of the big VIP delegations that would come to the hotel so I would look after presidents of countries I would look after rock stars athletes and I had this weird experience of um, looking and getting to know and, and, and hosting the world's very, very best, you know, experts and leaders in their fields. And it really, really frustrated me because these people who were already so, so, so successful, they had a incredible entourage of people who are helping them. They had multiple coaches, you know, like sports coaches, they had psychologists, they had chefs, they had everything. And um, then I was working with the hotel workers and I would had a thousand people I was leading at this age at 23. 
and um, I would have to get them when this, you know, famous person or a world leader would um, need to um, have something and we would make sure that we got that for them. And so I was working with these hotel workers. They were people from other countries who come to Australia to bring their families to have a better life. And these people were like engineers in their country before they came and they were doctors and they were carrying bags and they were doing room service. And I looked at these people who were just like the others pursuing their dreams mm -hmm. and they were not able to, they weren't getting any support. Mm -hmm. And so it dawned on me that there was an inequality between others and I just really wanted to help other people to achieve their goals. Now, I didn't know any of this at this time. I realised that I would get to know all these hotel workers and because of the relationship we had, I'd help them to set goals and I'd help them to improve their lives. And as a result, whenever I needed something for these, these incredible guests, they were easily able to do it for me. And we had a lovely relationship. But later on when I was leaving the hotel, they told me that I was like their mentor. And I was like 30 years younger than these people. I know, I was, I, I don't, I'm trying to grasp the idea because, um, you know, when I was 23, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> A lot of us do, don't, we're just figuring out what we want to do with our lives, right? But, but you were really interested in, in the people and you observed. I noticed right? these things, right? And so that's when I decided I was going to become a coach. Now, when I became a coach, it was not a thing in the world. Coaches, professional coaches outside sport did not exist. So I was one of the earliest coaches. I started my business when I was 26 and I was one of the very first ever coaches in the world. And... Um, that's how I got into helping other people to be very, very successful. You know, there are so many coaches now. Mm. Is it necessary? I mean, of course, it's your business, but is it necessary for a leader to have a coach? There's so many coaches. Don't get me started. <laughs> Everyone's becoming a coach, but they're not necessarily professional coaches. So we make a real distinction between coaching as a modality that helps people. And it's great that many people are learning that. But coaching is actually a professional field, which is a science and an art. And so there's lots to study. Um, it's cognitive behavioral psychology, self-actualizing psychology and so on. Does everybody need a coach is what you ask me though. I think when anyone is wanting to be the best that they can be and they want to realise their full potential, working with all sorts of people helps you, you know, to bring out the best in yourself and to put yourself into situations and to be challenged and to discover new talents you didn't know you had. So everyone can benefit from being supported to be the best they can be, absolutely. Yeah, you need someone from the outside to really, because you're, you yourself is kind of biased, you know, because perhaps, you know, especially when you are in the midst of a lot of chaotic things, especially when you're starting off a, a startup or whatever, you're in your own, you could say, like bowl, like fishbowl. So you probably need someone outside to tell you, um, hey, you're not crazy. <laughs> you're doing it okay. Or, oh no, maybe perhaps maybe you should try it this way. Um, you've also done studies, which is very interesting. Um, you've observed the success key points of different leaders. Tell me about that. Yeah, so we ended up doing both the qualitative and the quantitative. So the qualitative is observing and, you know, following case studies and all sorts of things. But then we did a quantitative study where we took um, a group of very, very, very successful startups who had 
started their businesses and sold their businesses within five years for hundreds of millions and in some cases billions of dollars. And then we looked at a group of people who had failed and not been able to raise capital and were bankrupt or liquidated or whatever it was in the country. We looked at them. And so we had a hypothesis and the hypothesis was that there was a correlation between people's mindset and their outcomes in business. And so we went to see if there was and we found many correlations. So we were a bit mind blown by the amount of correlations between mindset and those business outcomes. And so we got the data after and we thought, okay, so that's cool, there is a correlation, but does it make any difference if you know about these correlations? And so we um, applied the findings to over a thousand business owners and tracked them for over four and a half years to see what difference it made, and it made a big difference. So that's what underpinned us actually launching our technology, Fingerprint for Success, which is a people analytics and AI coaching platform. And so, yeah. You know, uh, you've been doing it for 20 years, so you've gone a lot of data. Uh, I know that it would take too long for this podcast to talk about all of them, but can you give us maybe like the, the top three things that you think has been consistent that you've seen so far? So we found that a bias for action, um, which is what we call in F4S, it's called initiation. So initiation is the speed at which you turn your idea into the very first step. So you could think of it as proactivity, you could think of it as other things like that. Um, and we found that high initiation is correlated with larger organisations in terms of start-up to scale. It's correlated with more rounds of venture capital. We found that it's correlated with larger organisations. We found that it was a key one correlated with being able to start and what's called exit by selling your business. So that was a real significant finding. Another key finding is what we call abstract big picture thinking. We found that very successful startup teams um, don't need a lot of detail. They don't get into the detail. They learn things super fast and they, they know they'll get to the detail later when it's needed. We found big picture thinking was correlated with more ambition, so more global companies. We found it with more scale. We found it with more rounds of venture. Um, so yeah, there's two of the key findings. You know, um, with your study, it's been over like 20 years. Uh, a lot of things have changed. Yeah. Uh, you know, the economy is different. The way of doing business is different. Uh, are these correlations able to withstand all these? Those have withstand all yeah. of that. Um, and why have they? Well, they're just, the thing around correlations is that it shows that there's a relationship between two, two, two factors. And the relationship tells us not causality, so that for anyone who's a statistician, they know that correlation doesn't mean causality. So we know that one doesn't cause the other. We just know that they're, they're present. Um, and our belief is that they're present because they're, they're, they're very evidently important in terms of those outcomes. So that's our hypothesis anyway. Unless we do causality, we don't really know. Um, but that's our hypothesis because it stood up to time. Now you talked about the importance of values and motivation and uh, you know, there's so many things that I, I thought, whoa, yeah, right. It, values is very important. Uh, motivation is very important. And when starting off a business, often cases, companies or, or the founding teams or the leaders don't think about that at the beginning. Uh, perhaps they just write down a sentence like, oh, this is our vision. <laughs> this that, is our mission. If that. <laughs> and and in, it's not really, you know, something that is, what would you say, tangible. Yeah. Is that the biggest mistake that you're seeing? 
Um, yeah, so when we look at successful startups, the successful ones fully, fully do this. So it's a correlation with successful uh, startups that they do think about their values and they do curate an intentional culture and they don't accept things that don't fit with their culture and they're very clear about that all the way through. So for those that are successful, it's there. For those who just don't know that you do that, that's what you're saying, you know. We, they don't know that that's what you do. So that's what we call modelling. Modelling is going and looking at the best in class, which is essentially what my whole body of work has been, and said, what do they do? What are these, the best people, what are the themes amongst all of them? What are the patterns? And, and experimenting with those and seeing if we get the same results. So uh, my encouragement to everyone listening to the awesome stuff that TechSource Global does is do that. Go and model the best. You, you can't, but you can't copy though, right? Because not, it's, it's not like one size fits all. Correct, correct. Right? So modeling means is what are the critical ingredients that mm -hmm. were essential and then figuring out. So let's just say um, we know that an athlete um, who can do some amazing athletic outcome and that they've figured out that if you step this way or you do this at the net, if you're playing tennis, you get this outcome. Mm -hmm. Modeling's that sort of thing. Well, you talked about how we do also have to accept the fact that different departments have different types of mindsets. Uh, you said there are personal biases. Does that mean that to have a successful team or a company, you need to accept that there are differences within the team? And, and how do you harmonize that? So we know that diverse teams do better because there's less cognitive bias. So we're pretty clear in the world, particularly in some parts of the world around, you know, that there's not enough women's um, perspectives at the table or there's not enough diverse ethnicities at the table. So we, we all know about that, but an unknown one that's less aware is cognitive bias. So we talked about big picture thinking and initiation. Now that's the only people sitting at the table everything will be go now, go now, go now, make it bigger, make it bigger. And that's not always what we need at the table. So we want a diverse team. And the way that we get harmony is through the values. So we have diverse thinkers, diverse genders, diverse backgrounds, diverse, 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 but we're aligned in values and aligned in the mission. So that's how you get the harmony. So a leader should be able to try and uh, balance that relationship between the different departments so that uh, everyone is okay. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, when you talk about uh, the, uh, the biases, and you said that there is an interesting fact that is uh, there's a difference of sex, sexes that you observed in the, uh, the beginning of the, your recent study, I think, that women apparently are, are in the forefront of certain characteristics, positive characteristics, than men. How yeah. is that possible? So one of the, the data points which we just actually spoke about was big picture thinking. Yeah. And so women have on average more of a bias for big picture thinking. Um, but we also found men have a lower focus on structure. Um, so structure we found, and, and you're smiling because I always laugh and say we finally got proof that women are more organized than men. <laughs> it's not just about the company or the workplace, it's, it's overall, you know, uh, I don't, I don't want to go into personally my relationships, but from my, my, my relationships with, with, with men, brothers or whatever, uh, significant others, yeah, it is true. Yeah, yeah. So the interesting thing though, so this is one dimension that correlates with uh, technology startup founders. So we found that people who have a functional role in the business for tech um, are on average lower on structure, 
um, overall and we found that high structure was correlated with early stage venture failure. Um, so we found different dimensions for both genders. Um, is, is it a big factor, do you think, that we should pay attention about and, you know, gender equality? Uh, in Thailand, it's, it's, it's a bit different for different countries. In Thailand, the, the women tend to not really have a problem with, with certain high positions. We do have a significant number of female executives. Um, do you think that this should, will change? like across different countries? Or do you think that it's something that we should really be bothered with? I mean, in America, let's say, it, there is a glass ceiling for women, people are talking about it. In Thailand, when I talk to women, they said, well, yeah, we, we find our way, we are respected. Or do you think it's just something that people are just thinking too much about? I think it's a really, really important topic, so I'm really yeah. glad you asked. I think that not just women, but any biases that we have, we don't know we have them. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know that we're missing a female voice at the table. We don't know that we're unconsciously not um, thinking of a person for a role because of their gender or their ethnicity or anything else, um, or their religion, or th these other things. We don't realise that we have biases too. Um, and so, it's one that we as women, if we have those biases ourselves, that we don't put ourselves forward um, for opportunities and roles. And then if the environment is not helping put us forward. So women in other studies uh, suggested that it's found that women will not put themselves forward where a man would put himself forward. And it's because women don't feel like they've got all of the things lined up that they need to have lined up, right? Yeah, it, I mean, it, there is that characteristic that you said that women t tend to be more structural. Yeah, because they want it all more organised. I don't want to say perfectionist, but yeah, often cases we want everything to be ordered. ordered. <laughs> and that is something maybe we should learn yeah. to, to overcome. And right. so what we see in the males on average is they're lower on that structure. So they're like, well, I'll improvise, I'll figure it out. I don't need to already know it, right? And so that's where we do see those biases. And it's really important that all counterparts so we, the, we women have allies in the workplace and realize that women on average are just different and they're not going to always be the first to advocate and if we don't have allies in the workplace men and women or other non-gender specific people that we should be advocating and, and 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 asking and creating pathways that make it easier for everybody to have the chance i loved what was put up um, um yesterday at the event we had kumpin from head of growth for google here in Thailand and she had a slide that was up and, and it was the distinction between equality and equity. And on the slide, the one under equality, it showed that three people were able to peer over the top of a baseball game over a wall and one of the people was much, much shorter. And that person was still trying to, they still had the opportunity to peer over the thing to see the baseball game, but they couldn't see because they were shorter. And then on the other slide, it shows equity. And it shows that the person who was short had two boxes to stand on so that they could peer over. And I love that. I love that because it's like, well, it's not just about everyone's equal, but how do we make sure everyone gets to have the same experience? Mm. Um, and we embrace the diversity and the uniqueness of others, mm. and we make sure that the uniquenesses still lets them have the same outcomes and opportunities. Mm. Um, and I just love that slide. Well, uh, talking about, um, you said that we should be inspired by big companies like Google who have, and other speakers as well, you know, talking about how they have free food, they have an environment where people are gathering together, they can invest in training and everything. But what if you're a small company 
and uh, you don't have a lot of resources. Um, how, how do you strive to, to do better? I think when speakers or others anywhere are speaking about the aspirations of a company like Google and the food and so on, it's not so much that there's free food, for example, it's the spirit of how do we allow people to come to their work and bring their whole self to work? And how do we create informal environments where people can be unplugged and not be constantly having to behave in an office which enforces certain behaviours. When you walk into a meeting room, we all breathe differently. We all behave differently. I'm now in a work environment. I'm not on my sofa watching Netflix. Um, so we want to create environments that um, create authenticity. And that's really what we're aspiring to. So the idea of a canteen um, where we feed people healthy food or whatever it is, is just to create informal environments and it's organised around food. All cultures need food in them, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've been loving, I've been having some beautiful people hosting me here in Thailand and the food and the experiences. I mean, Thailand is renowned for its hospitality and kindness and um, but we're sharing all of those things over food and my hosts every time are like, oh, I want to take you here and then they give me a beautiful experience. But it's food, right? Yeah. Um, so we don't have to, if we can't, if the business is not at the stage where we have those budgets, we can invite everyone to bring their own favourite food in once a week and we share that as a meal together, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we can celebrate yeah. religious festivities and yeah. we can dress up for the day, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, create that environment. Um, Michelle, I'm so happy that you've been able to join us with this Culture Summit and you know, we look forward to seeing you too in the next summit. Do you want to leave any last remarks for our listeners as we end the year 2019? I think we're at a really exceptional time in the world and I feel it in Thailand every time I come back, this ecosystem of um, what you know, TechSource has done here in Thailand and what Hubber is doing as well is really, really providing a space and environment where um, people can take their ideas and grow these businesses and providing and, and connecting people with resources and knowledge and insights and mentors and the resources that we need. So I think it's a very exciting time in Thailand and I think um, that as I keep talking to other people um, around what keeps coming in, that we should be really grateful and feel really humbled about what we've all ch achieved together in these ecosystems um, and take pause at the end of the year to acknowledge in your life and in your family and be grateful because that gratitude um, for what we do have enables us to create and experience more. Oh, well said. We're so grateful that you are a part of our ecosystem as well. We're really feeling your support and we look forward to seeing you soon as well. For all you listeners, that's the end of our episode. If you want to join our community at Texas, check us out at texas.co. Until next time, bye-bye. Sparking innovative thoughts.